Hey, welcome back for another episode of Viva La Festiva. On this podcast, I get to interview people about festivals that occur anywhere in the world. Here's another episode where I get to attend a festival, which hasn't happened in a while at this point in the timeline. So we were pretty excited. I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, but this was a festival where I was advised to bring a high clearance vehicle or with 4x4 capabilities. So I was able to rent a Toyota 4Runner, and I think it was a 2022. And man, this thing was sharp. (laughs) And it had all these bells and whistles. And you know, I'm a simple guy, right? So initially, I was like, this is dumb. I don't want a backup camera, because I could just look back, right? (laughs) But you know, I found myself really liking all those bells and whistles. And going from that rental to my wife's small hatchback was just a little bit depressing, because you know, I'm like lower to the ground. Well, this was a fun festival, and I'm glad I got to attend. The next festival I get to attend won't be for another month, but until then, I'm still reaching out to sponsors, and I'm already looking at a lineup for next season. Mm. Anyways, this episode is a bit of a hybrid, as I do a virtual interview, and like I said, I also get to attend the festival. reason why this was the case was because of our guests was confident they weren't going to get any breathing room for a day of interview. So I hope you enjoy this episode as I cover the Maple Syrup Festival in Salem, Indiana. Enjoy. But first, I would like to talk about today's sponsor. Today, 55% of the global population lives in urban areas, and it is estimated that by 2050, 70% of the population will live in one of them. Urban areas also concentrate poverty. So the urban poor not only lack income, but they also lack resources to ensure an adequate well-being. And those with lower incomes do not have access to diets rich in healthy foods, including fresh fruits and vegetables. Instead, they have relatively more access to consume higher amounts of sugars, fats, and highly processed or ultra-processed foods. And these food environments can influence the risk of malnutrition and corresponding infectious and non-communicable chronic diseases. The risk of chronic malnutrition in urban children is 10 times higher among the poorest compared with wealthier children. That being said, when we have better options, we choose better options. And that's where Urban Suede comes in. Created by a 13-year-old by the name of Joshua Lucero in DeSoto, Texas, Urban Swig's mission is to bust the myth that healthy drinks must taste awful. So they sent me a few bottles of their drinks and they are awesome. It almost feels like a cheat code to think that their superfood drinks can taste this good and boost immunity, kill harmful bacteria, and provide an array of antioxidants. I had their guana piña drink while at the festival and then I used their mango berry peach juice with a bit of low-fat yogurt and made a smoothie. Híjole, and that was some good stuff. They also create kombuchas that have many benefits, including disease prevention, promote healthy digestion, and cognitive functions. I am not only thankful for these drinks, but I am also honored to be given the opportunity to speak about a young man's contribution to a better community. So I wish for you to do me a favor and support Urban Swig. I'll be including their website in the show notes. Thanks again, Urban Swig, for sponsoring the podcast. So on February 26, 2023, at 10.30 a.m., my wife and I arrived at L.M. Sugarbush, LLC, in Salem, Indiana, to attend the Maple Syrup Festival. The weather was a crisp 55 degrees, but the sun was starting to come out from behind the clouds. We had rented a vehicle for this festival, as the website had recommended bringing a high-clearance vehicle so as to not to get stuck in the muddy parking lot. I'm pretty glad I did bring this rental, because although my Nissan Sentra has tackled some snowy roads, this mud we dealt with was a bit too much for my sedan. 
In addition, getting to this farm was a bit of a climb on a curvy road, so having that extra weight and torque of the forerunner I rented was a bit more assurance. The scenery was beautiful, to be honest. Tall trees, there weren't any leaves on them, but that just meant more sun and sky to shine through. Damn, that was a good line. Did I write that? <laughs> when we arrived there, there were a lot of people moving. Just tons of activities and festivities. Attending the festival was free, which I really appreciate. Not because I'm cheap like that, but because I think that just shows me that they find success in just bringing people in, and they're able to make a profit from their own products or from vendor contributions. Our first stop was this small walk-in hut on the left where someone was selling alpaca products like scarves, mittens, beanies, and such. My wife already knew she wanted to drop some mad cash in there. So I had to advise her, you know what, hey, like, try not to spend it all in one place. Like, let's do a little walk around first. So that's kind of exactly what we did. However, our next stop easily took over the next 20 minutes. That's because our next walk-in hut on the opposite side of the initial hut was filled with all types of maple products. There were maple peanut treats, peanut brittle, maple cotton candy, cakes, bars, granola, seasonings, raw brown sugar, and of course, maple syrup. And tons of it. There was like four different sizes, ranging from like the small 8-ounce to full gallons. And looking at these full shelves of syrup makes you think, this is dumb. That's way too much syrup. But I assure you, I was seeing single people holding like two gallons in their hands. So take that into account when you hear from our guest how many visitors the festival gets. Jennifer Reisenbeichler is one of the owners and operators of LM Sugarbush LLC. And I'm glad she was able to have a virtual meeting with me the weekend before the festival. Enjoy. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Can you introduce yourself and your role at LM Sugarbush? Thank you, Jacob, for having me on the recording today. I'm really excited to be here and be part of your podcast. My name is Jen Reisenbeckler. I am one of four owners of LM Sugarbush. It's owned by myself and my husband, Nick, and then my sister, Emily Blackman, and her husband, Robert. Um, we bought the, the farm from my parents in 2013. Uh, the farm has been here in existence, making maple syrup since the late 70s, and the festival has been happening since 1992. So we're really happy and excited to be second generation uh, hobby syrup farmers in Southern Indiana. All right. Now, this is a little less directed towards the festival, but when I was looking at the website, I noticed tons of interesting things. Like, uh, I'm seeing like a maple bourbon. Yes. So the maple, the maple bourbon, which is not really maple bourbon, it's maple syrup that's been finished in bourbon barrels to make a bourbon finished maple syrup. And it actually has no alcohol content in it. We get our bourbon barrels from Starlight Distillery in Starlight, Indiana, and we age our maple syrup in their used bourbon barrels. And it gives the syrup a faint taste of bourbon. Some barrels come out a little stronger than others, but it's just really, really good. 
Um, yeah. The other piece is after we're finished with our aging process, we give the barrels back to Starlight and they make a maple finished whiskey, which might be what you saw on the website. And that oh. is like a true maple finished whiskey. It's not like Jim Beam maple where they put in a concentrate to, to tint it with a maple flavor. It, it absorbs the flavor from the maple syrup that had previously been in the barrel and it's really, really yummy. So we're wow. proud of it. But yeah, it is really creative. Um, by any chance, are y'all competitive? Like, do you compete your syrup in any competitions? We don't. So the four of us all have separate day jobs that we work and, and a lot of outside interests in addition to the farm. And so we really decided to focus on producing a really high quality product for our customers, investing in our farm and putting on a really fun festival each year. Uh, the competitions are neat and we do know that some people um, are even local to us have won a lot of awards with their maple syrup, but it's just not something we've decided to invest our time and energy in. I see. Yeah. So going back to the festival, do you get a good mix of out of towners and locals or is it mostly one or the other? Most of our clientele for the festival comes from Louisville or Indianapolis. Um, those are the big draws for people to come in. However, we have had people from out of the country plan visits here around coming to the festival. So it's always very fun for us to hear from far away folks who have traveled here, maybe to visit family or something else in addition to the festival, but planned an entire vacation or an entire trip around the festival. So we'll hear 10 or 15 stories like that every year. And it always, it always makes us very proud and very happy to hear that, you know, people just, they want to come here so badly to see it that they, they made that big of an effort. So it's, it's fun. Yeah. And what do you think is the fan favorite of the festival? Well, obviously the maple syrup is pretty popular, (laughs) but if I had to say something that people, that brings them back year after year, we have a crosscut saw activity where you actually cut your own little piece of a piece of tree from a, from a, a, a log. And then we have guys here who stamp it with a maple leaf. And so it's, oh, it's a perfect family activity. It's free. And we have yeah. people who have done it for 20 plus years and they brand the date on their log in addition to the maple leaf and they display them and hang them in their house. And Again, it, it surprises me how many people have told us that they do this. So I would say as far as a family activity, like a photo opportunity, we, we have a lot of people who do that every year and then like save the picture or save the, save the piece of log and, and kind of show how their family grew up doing it year after year. So if I had to pick one, I mean, everybody's going to have a different favorite, but I, yeah. I think that activity is something that people really do enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I'm pretty excited for that myself. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. It's a lot of work, though. Like sawing the log is harder than it looks. So I think it, it, it gives you a, a maybe an hour or so of your time to uh, dedicate to that activity. Oh, so you'll we'll, we'll see how you do. Yeah. Wow, an hour. Okay. <laughs> uh, between waiting to saw the log and sawing it and getting it branded, it's it's a little bit of a dedication, but you'll you'll enjoy yeah. it. And what is your favorite part of the festival? My favorite part is seeing people come out here and really disconnect from their phones or their stressful lives or 
whatever whatever distractions they have day to day most people i think come from either the suburbs or the city and seeing kids really enjoy just being out in the country we have a small creek that runs around the farm and if it's even in the realm of warm enough to get in the creek there are 20 30 kids at any given time splashing in the creek we do a nature walk there's people that walk out and see the trees and and see nature and it's always makes me a little sad to know that so many people don't get to see what we get to see on a regular basis but also really thankful that we're able to provide people with the opportunity to reconnect with nature and see where their food comes from and and understand more about the syrup making process so that just watching people enjoy it is my favorite part. Yeah, you brought up kind of like what's going into our next question. Uh, so there is a good opportunity for people to see the process of making the syrup. Can you can you explain how this goes? Yes, we have several options if you want to see the syrup making process. We have guided tours that leave every hour except for noon and three because we have a cowboy show at that time. But we have a, a tour guide, Logan, who will take you out in the woods and show you where we tap the trees and where we collect the sap. And then he will also bring you back to what we call the sugar house, which is where we finish out the sap and make it syrup. And so you can see our reverse osmosis machine that we use to condense the sap before we boil it. You can see our evaporator where the evaporation actually happens. You can see our bottling unit where we where we can everything and bottle everything. So you can really see if you go on a tour, the whole entire process. And that takes about an hour to go on that tour. Very cool. We also have a self-guided tour option if you want to do it at your leisure that really takes you around the sugar house and shows you step-by-step in a written format what we're doing. And the evaporator is very accessible. So you can always walk up and take a look at it. Robert, my brother-in-law, who's one of the owners, he mans the evaporator during the festival. So there's always somebody there who can talk to you about the process and, and help you understand or answer questions. And then kind of like I mentioned before, during the festival, we really open the whole farm to people who want to see the process. So if you just want to take a walk in the woods and take a look at what we're doing, we're more than happy for you to do that. So cool. Now this next question's I don't know, I, I sometimes I feel it's like a little boring, but um, we're not that engaging, but I'm just always curious about it. Um, how difficult is it to put all this together? Because it looks like you guys have over like 50 vendors. Is it like, is it pretty difficult to get this all together? Or do you have it pretty nailed down every year? It's, it's always a learning process. And <laughs> it's always a little different every year. This is our 10th year of running the festival ourselves. So I hope at this point we have it fairly figured out. <laughs> we've we've made a lot of a lot of little improvements yeah. that make the preparation easier for us. But there's there's always curveballs. Um, Emily and I, my sister, we we write this little we have this little diary that we put on Facebook on our personal Facebook uh-huh. called the Syrup Chronicles. And we will always detail out things that have gone disastrously wrong or (laughs) (laughs) made our lives challenging. Um, The last couple of years have been very tricky with supply chain issues due to COVID. Um, We were very, very fortunate that we got to have the festival in 2020 
right before COVID happened. And then we were one of the first festivals that got to run in the state of Indiana in 2021. So we never missed a beat from a standpoint of being open, but we have had just an exponential amount of challenges with supply chain. Uh, For example, last year, the, the plastic jugs that we sell the vast majority of our syrup in, we couldn't get them um, in the, in the, the stamped ones that we normally get. So we had to hobble together many different looks and styles of jugs to get through. Um, we're down to only two this year, so we're doing better. Right. Um, but we have a great group of people that helps us. Emily and I do a lot of the packaging and preparation while Nick and Robert are out in the woods making the syrup. And then we have friends and family who really dedicate a lot of weekends in January and February to helping us get ready. So we've got a little army of help and we, we make it through. So awesome. it's, I always say though, it's like, it's like having five weddings at the same place at the same time outside in February. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know who decided this was a fun idea, but somebody did and we're just continuing on. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. um, how many visitors do you guys think you get on a daily basis? It's really hard to tell for sure because we don't charge parking or admission. So it's kind of a free for all. And we try to base it off how many meals we serve, but I know not everybody eats who comes here. And then we have additional food truck options besides our farm kitchen. So I would say on a, on a busy day, we probably have six to 7,000 people that come through here Um, on days when it's not so busy a little rainy or a little cold. I mean, it can, it can definitely drop to maybe a thousand or 2000 easily, but there are, there are days when I wonder if there's enough property for the people that have shown up. So like, for example, last year, the, the second Saturday, it was 70 and sunny and, and we've never seen anything like that before. It was, there was a lot of people, (laughs) Um, but it's generally a good, a good crowd. Everybody has fun. Um, yeah, uh, try to spread out as best they can. We try to get them parked. Right. We ran out of parking last year too, so that was always that's always a fun challenge. But um, it's it's an adventure. So yeah, I would say six to seven thousand is probably the most we've ever had at once. Gotcha. Um, can people order your syrup on the website? Yes, yes, absolutely. So we ship basically worldwide um, off the website. It's obviously a little bit expensive to ship syrup far distances because it is heavy, Um, but flat rate boxes really are our friend. And so, yes, absolutely. And if you order off the website, Emily will be the one that's in contact with you and filling your order. And then we we joke with people. We're not Amazon, so we're not next day delivery, (laughs) but we do our best to get your your order out as quickly as possible. So if you're... If you're listening to this and you're not local and you want to give it a try, we can ship both the regular pure maple syrup and the bourbon barrel aged maple syrup. Perfect. Anytime. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And that's all available on the website for sale. Great. Um, What advice do you have for people who are interested in attending this event? I, a few things, um, housekeeping things to, to think about. We do park our, cars that for the event and open fields mm-hmm. and open fields can be muddy in late February and early March. So if you have an older vehicle, something that's not a low profile vehicle, 
if you have a four by four, it helps. Um, but just use good judgment. If you, if you wouldn't put your car in a muddy field, maybe don't bring that car, um, borrow one from a friend or something. Um, that, that, that's the usual first thing that trips people up when they get here and realize we're not Hebers or, or, um, the, the state fairgrounds, we don't have a big gravel or paved parking lot, wear boots and wear warm clothes. Um, bring a sense of adventure. Uh, some of the vendors only take cash. So if you want to shop the vendors, I would definitely bring some extra cash. We accept credit cards in the store and the farm kitchen. And some of the vendors also accept cards. We do have a, I mentioned a minute ago, we have a cowboy shootout at noon and three o'clock, which is great, great, great fun, but it is loud. So if you're someone who is sensitive to gunfire or has a pet or a child who's sensitive to gunfire avoiding 12 o'clock and three o'clock the show lasts for about 20 minutes Mm -hmm. is is a good bet uh we love leashed dogs Uh, we have a couple farm dogs here that run free and will greet but for the most part um any dog who is friendly is welcome here and and we just we love we want to make a calendar to dogs at a festival we get we get a lot of a lot of great dogs (laughs) dog pictures um we hope you'll stay all day so come eat breakfast listen to the music shop do the activities Um, we always try to make it you know you can spend as much money as you want you can shop the vendors you can shop in the store you can you can spend thousands of dollars and go home you know fully stocked up on syrup and locally crafted items but you can also come out and just enjoy the farm and not spend anything so we whatever you want to do like from an activity standpoint from a listening to the music standpoint all that's free so come and come and do all those things and and eat breakfast eat lunch and go home full and happy and have a whole day with nature so that's our that's our hope is that if you make the drive all the way out here you find enough to do to to keep you here all day awesome thank you so much I really wanted to cross paths with her at the festival, but it was clear that everyone there was extremely busy. Smiling, but busy. So after we took a long browse at all those maple products, we headed to the other vendors that were set up outside. There were plenty of very creative vendors with their own handmade creations. There was a tent selling very creative lawn decorations that looked like they were created with all sorts of silverware, car parts, and scrap metal. There was also one that had tons of beautiful leather products. There were small bags, medium bags, gun holsters, knife holsters, wallets, belts, jewelry, and even these rolls of leather hides. I'm pretty sure those rolls were like scrap pieces that the vendor was selling off. And I don't know a damn thing about leather, but I kind of wanted one. I don't know, like maybe I could have made myself a bracelet or something. That seems easy enough. Walking around, there was a very interesting tent where a man was breaking open geodes. And for like $4, you can get a large one, or for a dollar less, a slightly smaller one. There was a certain appeal to picking out this lumpy, sandy-looking rock on the outside and seeing this man crack it open with this device to reveal a crystal-laden work of art in the inside. We got one, because I think my wife is just a sucker for crystals. Next to that tent was that souvenir that Jennifer had mentioned during our interview. It was this tree trunk, probably about 4 or 5 inches in diameter, resting on a few stands. We were only in line for about 15 minutes before it was our turn to saw off our own chunk of trunk. Now, 
I'm not going to lie. Like it was a little difficult. You know, you had to get a certain rhythm to it. You got that. I really don't know what the type of saw is called, but it, it took, um, it was a two person do- a job. It's probably about maybe like four, four feet, maybe five feet long. And you had to like find a rhythm. And I think the rhythm that we found out was just that it was easier and more productive to pull rather than to push. So you, you, you pull it and you just let your partner pull it. You don't, you don't push it when they pull it because then that kind of makes it bend and you kind of lose rhythm. After that, it was only about a couple minute wait before we were able to have some of the staff brand a maple leaf onto that chunk of wood. Check out the Instagram page and you'll get to see that souvenir. I'm glad we got it, and my wife and I are currently turning it into both a magnet and a hanging ornament. It's kind of funny because at this point, we already had a good amount of things. Like, I purchased a bottle of bourbon syrup and my wife got a bottle of the original syrup. So we stopped by the vehicle to drop it all off including our jackets because the sun was already out and it was starting to warm up. As we made our way back, we noticed the food stand set up. There were just some of the usual suspects like funnel cakes, lemon shakeups, and even some candy nuts. But that's when we made our way to the cowboy shootout. The cowboy posse had a small set put up behind a rope barrier. This set had like hay bales, some campfire decorations, some wagon wheels, and other western decor. These cowboys started the show by talking about safety and warning the crowd just how loud this shootout was going to be. Because the guns they were using were real, just firing blanks, so they were pretty loud. I think I had some high hopes about this show. <laughs> like, I think I was thinking about a full-fledged movie, like with bar fights and people jumping out of windows and all that. But spoiler alert, it was just a bunch of dudes emptying their guns after like five minutes of plot. But, you know, I ain't going to rag on them too much because their outfits were really cool looking and you could tell they love what they were doing. They were selling a DVD that I think they produced. And to be honest, I really wish I bought one. I think it was called Cold Justice. So after the show, we went ahead and got in line for the lunch at the dining room. The line was pretty long, not going to lie. But I think we waited for like 20 minutes max. And to be honest, it didn't feel that long because the weather was really nice and there were a lot of cute dogs walking around. Once we got in there, there was a man taking orders at the doorway, which is him giving us a paper with check marks next to what we ordered. That paper was then handed off to the person who charged us for the meal. 
My wife and I both got pulled pork sandwiches, and it was such a nice lunch break because we parked ourselves on the bench and we were just enjoying our meal and people watching. Now, we must have nailed the timing because we were able to then catch the hourly tour that was led by a guide. Before our guide started the tour, he said he liked to play a game where he sees who travels the furthest for the festival. When he asked if someone had driven more than one hour to get here, I was actually the only one that raised my hand. I actually got some surprised looks when I said I was from Muncie. But anyway, here's some of that audio. <laughs> okay, in case you didn't hear me, my name's Logan. I've worked out here for about 20 years. I've done a little bit of everything around the farm. Started as a youth group fundraiser working in the kitchen, flipping waffles and pancakes. Uh, apparently made the wrong friends around here and got put to work doing more stuff. So I cut wood, hauled wood up, loaded the evaporator, so running that. Um, tapping the trees, maintaining the lines, I've done a little bit of everything. I'm not probably the expert at any one thing around here, but I can give you an overview and I want you to appreciate how much work goes into production of maple syrup on this level. So commercial level here, it's not just a couple buckets on a tree. We've got big networks of lines connecting the trees down to holding tanks like this. Now the season starts, uh, we want to get out and tap the trees before the freeze-thaw cycle. That's when the sap's really moving in the trees. And that's when the sap is usable. The sap can be moving later on, but once the buds on the tree start to come out, it's more of a starchy liquid that you're not going to want to try to make syrup out of. So that freeze-thaw cycle is what we want to target for production. So ahead of that, we go out into the woods and we break up into pairs and we tap the trees. One guy's tapping a tree, another guy's going through and repairing lines. What you see here is an orchard or a grove. These trees were planted about probably around 40 years ago before I started working out here on the farm. And um, that's about as small as a tree I would tap, is this maple right here. If you're wanting to do this at home, has anybody ever tapped trees at home? Okay. You've done it. We got one person. Okay, don't spoil anything for me here. <laughs> That's about as small as I would go. 10, 12 inches in diameter gets one tap hole. Once you get up around 18 or so inches, then you could probably do two. You don't want to do anything that's going to harm the tree. Just like you can go donate blood at Red Cross. Um, you can give, you know, a half a pint or a pint. You're probably doing okay if you give up a gallon. You're having a real bad day. You don't want to overburden the trees. A tree that size once files no problem. You can look over and see some of the native maples along the creek. There's one that's tapped over there at the beginning of the line. That probably has two or three files in it. It's a good size, healthy tree. has a nice top in it. And you'll notice we tap them when we're starting off on one of the lines. We tap it a little bit higher. We want gravity to help us out as much as possible to channel that sap down to the main line. And we do have a vacuum pump that assists in moving that. We want to keep that sap moving. If it just sat in a line in some of the low spots, it can go bad. It can't start to sour. It has enough sugar content in it. It can spoil. So we want to keep it moving. If this tree's making it, we want to get it to a holding tank and get it up to the sugar house to cook it down. This is one network. It's the nicest for the visual side of The process of sap collection seems a bit inefficient to me, to be honest. But when I think that the only energy they're putting into this process is the evaporation, I think that's a sweet deal. Like, the process seems so low-tech and easy. And to further that argument, they were actually selling little kits so you can tap into any of your own maple trees and have a go at sap collecting. After this, we went to go investigate a cabin that I think was directed more towards kids. 
And I say this because there were these tables with coloring sheets and crayon set on them. And there was also like a small playground in there as well. But on the other side of this room, there was a long table with a series of small crockpots. You know, I, I don't really feel like describing the whole setup there, but basically this was an area where we were able to make our own candles. We were given a string of wick and we were given a small two minute instruction on how to create our own candles. I think I was a bit impatient because mine would not stay rigid and just to be funny, I coiled mine up to look like a little poop. You might get to see that one on the Instagram as well. So at this time, we think we were just about ready to head back because we had a two and a half hour commute, which didn't include our time to return the rental. But first we had to get some final things that caught our eye. For me, I grabbed some maple peanut treats and some pumpkin cakes. My wife grabbed some maple cotton candy and an alpaca beanie that she had her eyes set on. I think I brought about $80 this day, and I think I only spent about $60, and that's my usual spend amount, so that was pretty good. Making our way out of the parking lot wasn't too muddy, but I think I would have been stuck if I came in my Nissan Sentra. The Maple Syrup Festival in Salem, Indiana was really fun, and I'm glad this one had an opportunity to teach something. The weather was amazing, the air was festive, and it was clear that the staff had really put their hearts into this festival. It's family-friendly, it's pet-friendly, you really don't have to break the bank to enjoy it. Thank you, Jennifer Reisenbeichler, for speaking to me about the Maple Syrup Festival. Hello! Hope you enjoyed the episode. I'm learning more about how I can improve the format on episodes. For an example, in the beginning of this episode, I mentioned what the podcast is about. Like, what? Why would I do that? Obviously, you've been listening to all the episodes, so you know what the podcast is about, right? Wrong. I've learned that usually people, including myself, usually pick the most recent episode when trying out a podcast. So I threw in a sentence to welcome any new listeners. So it's probably about time I mentioned a blog that has really helped me out when I first started on this podcast. Like most of y'all, when I want a list of things, I turn to Google. My very first search on the matter was festivals in Indiana. And that's where I came across a blog ran by Christian Campana. This blog has info not only on festivals in my current state, but also surrounding states. I'll be adding that blog into the show notes. That being said, I think I've done enough. Now all you have to do is the same thing. Google it. Google festivals in blank and just see what pops up. Take a look at what your area has to offer. Plus, they're great date ideas too. Don't forget to check out the Instagram page, which is Viva La Festiva Podcast. Shoot me a message, comments on something, and I just want to get that interaction going with y'all. Hey, it's post-editing Jacob. And before I get you out of here, I wanted to introduce you to a podcast I discovered on Instagram. Have a listen and keep an ear out for future episodes where I'll try and promote podcasts related to the theme of the episode. All right. Adios.
Well, hey there, American Farmsteaders. This is Donna with Hazel Bell Farm. And Jenny with the Gramstead Family Farm. And we are coming to you from Northeast Florida as two American Farmsteaders doing our best to grow our own food and share our experiences with you in hopes that you will grow a little food of your own. From planting a garden and preserving your harvest to raising meat chickens, sheep, pigs, and cows, we love to chat all things homesteading. You can think of our podcast as a get-together with friends where we share the good, the bad, and the ugly of growing your own food. We hope that you'll take the time to join us for a little homesteading encouragement. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcast with a new episode every Friday.